0: The choices that he was making when all of this happened, you know, weren't, weren't very good choices. You know, I always had hope that he would, you know, turn things around and, cause he wasn't raised like that. Um, and I, you know, always had hope that he would turn things around and, you know, and I would hear someday, you know, mom and dad, you know, thank you so very much for saving me you know, for helping me and, you know, I, I didn't, you know, his life was taken before that.
1: What you're about to hear are two unscripted sessions with a grief therapist and a psychic medium. Neither Claire nor Fleur had any contact with the participants before their sessions. They were screened by me, Elizabeth, one of the producers of the podcast, in order to preserve the integrity of a psychic reading. Absolutely no information was given to Fleur before their psychic session.
2: This is Moving Beyond the Podcast. My name is Fleur. I've been working as a psychic medium for over 10 years. I have sat in front of 15,000 people to give them readings. I connect people here in the physical world to something they can't see, to their loved ones on the other side. And that, to some people, is a really spooky, crazy experience, but to me it's my everyday life. And I find that many people come to see me for a variety of reasons, either curiosity, wanting to see if it's real, or the deeper layers of grief. Closure, healing, a way forward. A question that plagues people over and over again after a loss is, is my loved one really gone? I think mediumship can be an incredible incredibly powerful tool towards healing, but it certainly is not the only one. I often send my clients to grief therapists afterwards, but I was thrilled a few years ago when I started hearing from my clients that doctors and psychiatrists and therapists were referring me That was crazy to me. I always thought psychic mediumship was super taboo and super weird, and how could a doctor possibly recommend something so out there? But I was thrilled that people started to see that it's a real healing modality. One of these people was Claire Bidwell-Smith, a grief therapist, and she is also the author of three books on grief.
3: I lost both of my parents by the time I was 25 years old and it was a really deep and humbling experience and it's what propelled me into this field. Whenever I tell people what I do, they usually take a step back and shake their heads. I think they imagine that it's really depressing and heavy, but it's not like that at all. Yes, it can be sad, it really can, but mostly it's beautiful and uplifting. And I find myself reminded every day about what makes humanity so special. We work in very different ways.
2: She is a grief therapist, I'm a medium. But we see people at the same point of life. We find them in moments where they are at deep loss, grieving, not able to move forward, have questions that they can't
3: seem to move past. Where are they now? Can they see us? Can we still communicate with them? The first time a client told me that they'd been to see a psychic medium, I was a little baffled about how to respond. I'd never seen one myself and I felt really skeptical about the idea. I saw over a dozen psychic mediums in that time period and no matter how good the medium was, I still found myself wondering if it was real. After a while though, I stopped caring if it was real and I finally decided that what was more important was how it made people feel. A good session with a psychic medium can turn things around for someone who is lost in their grief. I've seen it time and time again. I could have a client who was completely stuck, like doing all the right things, allowing themselves to grieve, working through their emotions, reviewing their relationship with the person they lost, going to grief groups, making amends, you name it. But still they'd be stuck about something that happened with the death or some unresolved aspect of their relationship. And after a good mediumship reading, they would come away with a completely new understanding. They'd come away with a feeling of connection to their loved one and often a bit of closure.
2: We wanted to share that experience with you, give you the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in a grief therapy session where someone is able to express and explore how their grief has shaped their current life. And then we transport you to a mediumship reading, a moment where you get to listen in on what a reading is and does, and some of the answers that people can receive and do receive. We hope that some of the information that arises can help you too, no matter where you are in your stage of grief or loss or curiosity about the things we can't always see.
3: I'm getting ready for my session with Anne, and I know it's going to be intense. The loss of a child is one that is endlessly complex and brings so many different layers with it. I am curious to see how our session goes and and how this whole experience for her unfolds.
4: My name is Ann. I live in Houston, Texas and um, what I hope to get out of this is uh, a feeling of peace and um, in a place where the heartbreak and pain, losing my son, lessen.
3: Hi, Anne. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, I would love for you to start by just telling me about your story.
0: It was... In October of 2015, and my son had a house and lived in a house with two roommates. And what started out as a home invasion, some four masked men came in the house, uh, broke in, and pistol whipped the two roommates and shot and killed my son. <laughs>
3: And I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, thank you.
3: Where were you at the time? How did you learn about this?
0: Well, um, I received a phone call. You know, I was asleep. And the police, uh, you know, basically told me that story. And, and I, you know, wasn't fully awake. And I, I, I remember asking, I mean, I was just in shock. Course. And I remember asking, is this a joke? I mean, you know, I I I just I, I just you know, I couldn't put the pieces together mm-hmm. at all.
3: It must have been unbelievably traumatic to hear that news. Yeah.
0: Tell me more about so.
3: your son. Tell me about who he was and
0: Well, he was um, twenty years old. He had made some poor choices in life and had some kind of um, behavioral issues that, you know, we just, you know, couldn't, he was out of control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, he had been um, seeing a therapist and was acting out in school and he would sneak out of the house at night and we didn't know where he was and he was 15. You know, we, we tried everything we possibly could You know, we had seen um, an educational consultant, and we had to send him away. I never, I never thought I'd have to do that. Um, It was very, very hard decision to do. So, but you know, we were doing it so that he could, you know, learn tools. You were trying to help. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a punishment at all. I mean, it was just that we had run out of, Mm -hmm. you know, things to do for him and to help him. And so he went to a therapeutic boarding school in Arizona. He completed the program. Some of the behaviors, you know, kind of started coming back. And he also had started using some drugs. And Anyway, you know, we really we made the decision that as long as, you know, he was using drugs and wasn't really staying on the program that he was going to be on his own because we had provided him, you know, all the tools Mm -hmm. that we possibly could. And he was 20 years old and needed to, you know, he needed to figure this out for himself. I mean, we couldn't do it for him. I know that these are such tough calls as parents, right?
3: You want to do the best, and sometimes the best thing is to try not to enable more behaviors right. like that and to put them out on their own, but then that's so scary,
0: right? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's very, It's very very difficult.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because, I mean, we we did want to help, and we did help. Of course. What has life been like since he died? Well, to further complicate the matter, um, six months after he was killed, um, I found out I've been married. I was married for 23 years. And six months later, I found out that my husband was having an affair. Mm. So, you know, we we got divorced.
3: That's so much loss to go through, both the marriage and your son. Yeah. Tell me
0: what your grief has been like. Well, it's the most painful experience I've ever had. The death of a child is like no other. This is a totally different experience, yeah. It's totally different. Totally, totally different. Um, it's, you know... A, I feel like um, a part of me died Mm -hmm. and I grieve that too because I'm not, I'm not the same person I was before.
3: What does your grief look like though? What uh, have you been, what kind of emotions have you experienced and what's, what's been the kind of progression of it all for you? When do you feel it the most?
0: Well, it comes in waves, you know, I see. Some of his friends, you know, some of, he's at the age that I mean, some of them now would be, you know, they're getting engaged, they're getting married. That's a trigger for me, or even, you know, my own friends, just kind of watching their children grow up is a trigger. Yeah, I think where I I struggle the most is it's the it's just the deep seated pain that. I have of losing him. I mean, the choices that he was making when all of this happened, you know, weren't, weren't very good choices. Um, and, you know, I always had hope that he would, you know, turn things around and cause he wasn't raised like that. Um, and I, you know, always had hope that he would turn things around and, you know, and I would hear someday, you know, mom and dad, you know, thank you so very much for saving me, you know, for helping Mm -hmm. me. And, you know, I, I didn't, you know, his life was taken before that.
3: Right. You never got to that point. No. But you're also grieving the Zach that you hoped would one day be you know, yes. the, the healthy, stable version of himself. So you're grieving that Zach too. Yeah, You're grieving that missed opportunity to have that relationship and to see him in the world in that way. Right. If you could talk to him today, what would you want to say to him?
0: That I love you. Um, and I... Uh... Just want to know that you know he's okay and he's you know like he's not in any pain anymore, mm-hmm. you know he's not struggling that's what I'd really want to know that he's in a good place, and mm-hmm. losing a
3: child is is the loss that that never goes away,
0: yeah, no, and I think um you know a lot of people don't understand that um because it's been. It's been four and a half years. And, and and I guess the other part of this is that his case remains unsolved. Mm. And so, you know, that's another piece for me. Um, I have a great relationship with the detectives, but, you know, it remains unsolved. And so... That's got to really gnaw at you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just... How, how, how does somebody do this and they get away with it and are not, you know, and and they're not punished? Mm -hmm. You know, there's just yes, I do want someone um, to be held accountable, and I do fight for that. I've, you know, done media type things. You know, I we've got a reward out. I, I, you know, I, I. I've gone to Tucson and posted flyers, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I've done billboards. (laughs) I I can better handle it today than I did, you know, a year ago or, you know, I mean, even from the very beginning. But um, I'll never be over this. Never.
3: Nor should you be. I don't think it's possible to get over something like this. You know, most people just really don't understand how long grief lasts. Four and a half years is not very long. And especially this kind of loss, it's something, like you said, that the triggers that come each year with it are so enormous, you know, thinking about how his life would have continued to unfold where he's still here. And I think especially with a loss like this, most people, it's so painful for them to imagine that they try not to imagine it. Right. They want you to be over it because then that makes them feel better. Right. Um, And so it ends up being a pretty lonely experience for the person who's grieving.
0: Yeah.
3: You've got this reading coming up with floor, which will hopefully bring you some more of that sense of connection. And then what are the things you're going to be able to do to kind of continue moving through this? Do you
0: think? I, no, it, it's not like having Zach here, but you know, hey, it, it's better than nothing at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know, that's what I hope for. I don't, and I don't, I don't really know how to, you know, keep that alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe it, it's, getting more readings I don't know
3: (laughs) yeah I think that's all I mean I want you to think about that how to how to retain that that feeling and it looks different for everyone right I I feel Uh like when we get those little bursts of connection how do we hold on to them and I think you know it means we tap into Internal resources, creating our own sense of connection. How do we continue that? How do we continue to make our own lives feel meaningful? How do we continue to sort through anything unresolved in the grief itself? And so I would love for you to go into this reading thinking about how you're going to hold on to anything good that comes from it and how you're going to continue to grow it as well. I think it's a really important part of the grief process. I know for myself, like I've loved those brief connections and feelings of connection as well. And I've had to work hard to tap into my spiritual side, to understand different aspects of myself in order to hold on to that feeling of connection. And I think that, I think it would be helpful for you to think about that going into it. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing how it goes. I hope it goes well and that you do get that feeling.
0: I do too. I do too.
3: So my biggest takeaway with Anne is, again, that reminder that losing a child is a loss that just unfolds over and over throughout your lifetime. Um, As the markers continue to pass, when you think about the different ages your child would have become, the, the life moments they would have gone through, it's a grief that comes back and reoccurs over and over. Learning how to live with that, learning how to almost embrace it on some level, to honor it, to find ways to continue to connect with your loved one is so important. And I really hope that Anne is able to do that.
2: This morning I've prepared for my session with Anne. I'm often pulled towards different ways of preparing for a session, and this morning doing a guided meditation felt like the right thing. i finished, and I'm ready for my call with her.
5: So, I'm Fleur. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. (laughs) I'm Anne. You're Anne. Nice to Uh meet you as well. Well, are you ready for your reading? I am. Okay, fantastic. All right. So I work in two different ways. One is the psychic, meaning I'm looking at your energy body, your soul, your spirit, your life force within your physical form, because you're here and you're in our world, so to speak. Um, When I am working with spirit, people who have passed, people who have crossed, I'm looking at that same energy, that same soul, spirit, life force that we continue on with. So the only differentiation is that you have the physical form and they don't. When I'm tuning into it, it feels like a radio station. So your radio station is very unique to you and it wouldn't be like anybody else's. And similarly, on the other side, the individual pattern is incredibly specific to the individual. And so as I differentiate between different people on the other side, um, every time I connect to one, I'm dialing into their station The closer I get to their vibration, the more information I have. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you do not want to know? No. All right. So my first impression is of a young man and he comes a generation underneath you. The feeling would be uh, that of a child of yours, like a son. Um, Do you see that there's a son in spirit? Yes. And would you also see with your son that it it feels just as I come into his space, he's showing me here that you've had a lot of kind of unanswered questions about his passing. It feels like his passing has felt really confusing and just incredibly unjust. Do, do yes. you see that?
4: Yes, definitely.
5: And he's also just recognizing, and it, it's nothing against his character because he's a, he's an awesome guy, but it feels like the son that you would have thought you knew everything about prior to his passing, there's a lot that kind of gets unearthed after he passes. Do, do you see that? Yes. It's like secrets come out or he feels like he had been trying to protect you from some of his own difficulties and struggles and kind of inner inner demons. Do do you see that?
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
5: You know, so the first thing he needs to acknowledge for you is this deep sense of sorry, not for the behavior necessarily, because he knows in a lot of ways you've forgiven it and um, he acknowledges that that sweetness and that forgiveness, but it's the sense of the finding out and the difficulty of um, almost believing that that was your son, because I feel like it just hits you left field, almost like the son you thought you had, uh, had been withholding. Do you you see this?
4: Yes. Mm -hmm.
5: You know, so there's just this deep need to also express to you that he knows you've forgiven him in that way, because I feel like you've already had that discussion with him after he's passed, so to speak, like in spirit, in prayer, in meditation, there is this feeling of you having forgiven him. Do you understand that?
4: Yes, I do.
5: And he just really wants to thank you for that. That feels really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you understand that he butts heads with his father quite often in life? Do you see this?
4: Yes.
5: Uh, Well, and I would say, actually, I don't think the two of you are together. Is that right? You and his father? This is from the perception of your son. It just feels like there's a lot of anger for whatever reason. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, and wanting to say that he's been able to let that go and also wanting to reach out to dad to also acknowledge to dad like he's not a bad guy. But it feels quite difficult because it feels like at the time of your son's passing, these two men are not on very good terms. Do you see that?
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
5: Do you see in life that your son would have been a little ADD when he was younger or had a really hard time sitting still? Yes. (laughs) It's like I'm like super hyper and super all over the place. And uh, I think he was quite a handful for you when he was a younger kid. He recognizes that. (laughs) Uh, There is also the sense he keeps talking about getting in trouble at school all the time, like just not really liking to follow directions. (laughs) Do you know? Yes.
4: Yes.
5: (laughs) And um, it feels like you really also worked hard with him, he talks about of calming down his emotions, because I feel like he has, he's a really sensitive kid, he feels things really deeply. And I know that he has these memories of you really talking with him and working through just kind of calming the emotions. Do you you see that?
4: Yes. Mm -hmm.
5: And he wants to thank you for that gentleness that you Mm -hmm. showed him, it feels really influential in his life. Mm -hmm. I want to say that, okay, Hmm. okay, yeah, he's very much a mama's boy, (laughs) and it does feel like when he passes, you know, he, he looks like he's early, early 20s. Do you see that?
4: Yes, he was 20.
5: I do see real struggle with kind of addiction. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let me take a look here. Yeah. From 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 his point of view, I think from the time that I am in my late teens up until the time I passed, there there's a real sense of constant addiction, but it feels like it keeps getting worse and worse and worse rather than better at any point. Do you yeah. see that? Yes. Yeah. Like I don't feel like we ever get to a point where we feel like oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel you know, right? and he is recognizing kind of that self-destruction. It also feels like it, um, and if at any point you want me to stop, just let me know if there's any part of this where you're like, you know, I don't want to know or anything like that. You just let me know. Okay. Okay. No, there's nothing I don't want to know.
4: I want to know.
5: Okay. Yeah. Cause it does feel like the drug use gets harder and harder. So we're no longer talking just about alcohol and, you know, some party drugs. Do you understand right.
4: that?
5: Yes. Yeah. Like it feels like there's heroin in the body. It feels like it gets really pretty severe. Um, and I feel like he's acknowledging for himself, however, that there is this sense of you not knowing the extent of it, even though you would have known about addiction. It doesn't feel like, you know, the f- the kind of the full scope of it. Do you, do you yeah. see this?
4: Yes.
5: Yeah. He, he hides it is yeah. my feeling. Yes. Yeah. And this is part of what I feel is kind of discovered after after he passes. Yeah. Now, I would also say that I, I see some illegal activity there in terms of making money. There's a sense of getting involved, not just in doing drugs, but also dealing drugs and getting involved in the situation in which I'm seeing money exchanged. And that looks quite dangerous. Yeah. And it feels like ultimately he shows me passing in relation to that, you know, yeah. it's like somebody takes his life based off of them feeling like he owes them. There is a sense of him having gotten himself into quite a situation in which I I owe various people is my feeling. And it feels to me like in the moment, it's, it's really comes from a place of anger, but it does feel like we would categorize it as him being murdered or because this is at the hands of someone else yes. you see yeah also i don't know if you know this but do you know if there's two people at the time that he gets murdered that kind of witness it or play a role do you see yeah. that
4: yes there are mm-hmm.
5: and then do you see that there's also a car involved as well yes it's like somebody speeds off yes Because I'm seeing these two witnesses, and then I'm seeing a car that speeds off. Would you remember or would you know the car to be a darker color?
4: I think it was. I think it was.
5: I will say it feels like he's taken completely by surprise. Yes. It doesn't look like it's just one person in the car. Um, You know, it's like multiple people involved. mm -hmm. And I would actually say that the person who causes this is not the driver.
4: Right. I think that's, yes
5: because I was seeing somebody who does take, you know, the the person that, that, that points the gun, so to speak, is not the driver is what I'm seeing. And so it feels like there are multiple people involved in that capacity. And then I'm, yeah. And then I'm also seeing the two witnesses. Um, But it feels to me that even without your involvement at some point, this does come to light. So it may take years and years and years, but they are showing me this will be a closed case. Mm. So they do want, and that doesn't require any involvement on your end.
4: Mm. Okay.
5: Has it has it been about five, six years yet?
4: Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. Not much more than that, right? Five, That's six? Been,
4: it'll be five years this year. Okay. As they're
5: showing me five, six years already. Now, I don't think that this clo- becomes a closed case until at least 10 years, nine, 10 years. Uh, okay. So it does, it takes a long time. And I know that that's really hard as the survivor of, yeah. of a homicide. But they do want you to know that it does. it does ultimately find closure. It just won't be in the timeline that you're hoping for. Okay. But they're working on it on the other side and the reason that that feels important is because it does feel like the people responsible have done this before and this isn't a one-time case and so that there there is a need for resolution here is what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. Okay. And I feel like your son will be involved with that from the spirit side. But what I also want to be very clear on is it doesn't require your participation.
4: Okay. Okay.
5: He just wants you to know none of it follows him to the other side. You know, addiction doesn't follow him. The events that he was surrounding himself with, it just none of it follows him to the other side. Okay. He really wants to... Kind of just identify himself as your as your boy really yeah. you know and um the guy that that you know uh-huh. and that's good yeah and and like i said he's such a mama's boy that he really is around you all the time all the time oh. and and he does show me you having photos of him all over the house. I and have, have I, some, yeah. I keep, seeing, um, I keep seeing three photographs next to each other of him. Um, there are three photographs. And one looks like a graduation photo.
4: Yes. Mhm.
5: And, and then do you see that there's two photographs next to it? Yes. hmm and it's not the graduation photo, but it's it's one that's right nearby it, that it looks like you you kiss from time to time. Do you understand this? Yes, I do. Yeah. But it's a photograph that you would pick up and put your lips on. Do you see?
4: Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: It really, it,
4: huh. it him touches to him. It's a picture of him at Machu Picchu.
5: Mm, I love that. Yeah, he just wants to you know he feels the love. Oh. Uh-huh. And then he teases you a little bit. He keeps showing me all these candles around your home and they feel like the very, uh, kind of rich smelling ones. Do you see this?
4: yes <laughs>
5: Yeah. Like, like she likes her scented candles.
4: <laughs>
5: yes. And it, and it looks like I've got like this red one right next to that photograph or something. I keep seeing this red candle right there.
4: I think it's, um, it's a sweet candle. It's, can't remember this. Yeah, it's not red, it's more like a coffee color.
5: Oh, okay. That's fine. But do you see it's right by yes. the photo? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's just acknowledging this and just loves being in your home, loves being around you. I know that all of that feels so important for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just so that you really know he's he, he he's coming to visit. He's right there. Oh. Uh, There's another child of yours in the world. Do you see that? Yes, because he just needs to say hello to a sibling, and then um, do you have a connection to the name Joshua? Joshua, no. Living or Josh? You know, Josh, Joshua. No. Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm hearing three three names. One of them is is Michael that keeps coming in and then there's a Josh and they all feel like they're connected to him, but living. Um, and then it feels like there's like a a Zach or a Zane or something like
4: that. Zach is his name.
5: Yeah. I keep hearing, I keep hearing a Zach or a Zane. Um, and then I also get the name Michael and
4: Josh. So, I don't um, know. I don't know, Josh. Michael was a roommate of his that was living with him at the time of the killing. Oh, okay. I, okay. No, okay. I do know a Josh, and that is the homicide detective on the case. Ah, that's what it is. Okay.
5: Yeah, that's it. Because it's it's Josh is really important. Michael and Josh, really important to this case. And then then the name Zach is really important as well, obviously, because it's his name.
4: Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
5: But I like Josh. I like this detective. Uh Uh-huh. And Zach's going to be working alongside him.
4: Okay? Okay. Okay.
5: All right. So do you have any questions for him?
4: I do. Um... Well, I guess one of the things is, uh, one of the questions is does he know how much I really love him?
5: Absolutely. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. He comes in so strong. He comes in so desirous of making that connection. And he knows that you don't hold anything against
4: him. So Okay. Um, Okay, and i I do feel signs of um, back with me um, at times, but um, you know, i just I guess I would just like some assurance or confidence that that those really are him, and the signs that I think you know are him really are him,
5: yeah. Well, there's one thing I always like to just point out with signs is that it's a two-way communication. So when you identify something as a sign, uh-huh. they know that that is now your way of communicating, right? So it's like you've decided together that that's the word you use, so to speak, uh-huh. That that's the way you connect. So it's a little bit unimportant as to who started it uh-huh. because that's now how you connect with each other.
4: Oh, okay. Does that,
5: does that make sense? Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. That's okay. That's interesting.
5: Yeah. yeah you're creating yeah. a new language together, right? Yeah. So you've created it. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do keep seeing, um, lots of signs that, that I'm seeing around you. I'm seeing the very common butterflies all around you. Yeah. So watch for those. Uh huh. Um, and it feels like you've, Kind of identified butterflies already for uh-huh.
4: yourself as a way to connect. You yes. see, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question I had is Miss, you know, Miss Brown the murder. Did Did Zach know the intruders? I do feel
5: that he knows of them. They're not friends of his, but he maybe has seen them once or twice. It because he he does talk about getting warnings prior. Oh, because oh. this isn't. This is directly targeted at him. Do Do you understand that? Yes. This is not like a random situation,
4: all right?
5: And it feels directly targeted. And it does feel like he doesn't know all of them, but he knows one of them. They're not friends, but it's people that he knew he was not on good terms with.
4: Uh huh. Okay. Um. Another question I have. Are there- is-
5: Are there? Where is the five? Is it is it five people that live in the house or five people that come into the house that are? I keep keep, they keep talking about five people in the house.
4: Five people that come in.
5: Five people that come in. Okay.
4: Actually, it's four that come in, and one's the driver. That's really what happened. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh
5: They keep they keep talking about five
4: people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Um, four that came in, and one was the driver. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, another question I had was I'm really kind of in my family known as the sensitive one and mm-hmm. I cry easily and get my feelings hurt and um I just I'm, you know, I'm the one that really shows my feelings, I think. And um, you know, Zach never really he never really liked to see me cry or see me hurt or anything, and, um, you know, with this passing, I have grieved a lot, yeah. it's been very painful, and, you know, I ha- the question I have is, um, I know he doesn't like that, you know, in me, but what are his thoughts on this, you know, now?
5: Well, I think he sees it a little differently now that emotions are very much part of the human experience. And it feels like he comes and comforts you. I don't feel that it keeps him at a distance. There's, from what I'm feeling, simply a desire to be with you during those times and an understanding of, of of your grief
4: okay all right has he um, has he reunited with anybody
5: yeah there's uh, a grandmother of his on the other side yeah okay yeah he talks about being with grandma
4: okay that's nice um, yeah, and taking care of him. Oh, that's great. Um, I think that's really all the questions.
5: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for letting me connect with him. It was really
4: wonderful. Oh, thank you, thank you for so much. You're so
2: welcome. I've just finished my reading with Anne. Was a really powerful one. I am often left with the feeling that homicides do tend to bring an intensity into a reading. I think the need from those in spirit, the need from those in the world, heightens the connection that I can offer a person. So, within that, I hope that Anne was really able to feel her son today. I certainly felt him here, and I'm glad that Zach was able to. Reach out and offer her a little bit of solace.
1: Hi, Anne. It's Elizabeth. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I wanted to do a quick follow up with you after your reading with Fleur to kind of book in the whole process since. I was the person that you first spoke to before we even engaged in this whole process of the podcast.
4: How was Mm -hmm. the
1: reading for you?
4: It was awesome. Yeah. It was great. I think it provided me a lot of comfort in the fact that some of the things that I've been struggling with about my son, in particular, that, you know, after his murder, that some things kind of came to light. That I didn't. I didn't really know about his some of well some of his choices and yeah. some of the activities he was involved in, and um, you know she she did discuss that yeah. with me and that you know he seemed to say that he was sorry.
1: So Fleur was able to. Call up three different names during this reading, and yes. one of them was Zach, which was your son's name, right?
4: Right, mm-hmm.
1: and then uh, there were two other names mentioned: Josh and Michael.
4: Right, was that and was that surprising? Michael was his roommate? Yeah, that was a witness at the time of the murder. Uh-huh. And um, Josh is the lead homicide detective Wow, on the case. It took me a while to, to kind of make that connection because I wasn't thinking of, oh, sure. know, was just trying to think of people involved, yeah. you know, in the, the murder. But.
1: Yeah. Um, that is pretty incredible. And you yeah. have a good relationship with Josh. So do you think that this is um, some information that you will share with him?
4: I don't know. <laughs> I've worked really hard with the police department yeah. to get the case solved. I mean, I've done billboards and I've done flyers and I've met with the detectives a lot. And which another thing that Floor said in the reading is that she felt um, the case would, would be solved not anytime soon. Mm. But um but that, without my help, she kept on saying, without my help, so, um, yeah, you know, that's kind of comforting because I've, I've kind of run out of things to do, sure, <laughs> but I do feel like, yeah, you know, some of my responsibility may have been lifted. I guess that's that's one way of looking at it, I guess,
1: yeah. And then there was such specificity in her reading with him and you. I thought the mention of the photographs that you keep, yeah, of job yeah. of Zach, was pretty incredible. And the fact that she, yeah. she knew that you kiss one regularly.
4: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I pick it up often, and I kiss the photo somebody had given me a candle and it's a real sweet smell and it's sitting right by that photo. Mm. And he, and she had mentioned the sweet candle. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then uh, she also had called up the fact that he was just such a mama's boy.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I, I understand that to some point, you know, what point, yeah. And then maybe his yeah. younger years. Sure. Cause I was, I was always his biggest fan, I would say, you know, I always, I, he was, you know, he, he always got into a lot of stuff. And I always kind of, you know, defended him, I guess, and kind of tried to stand up for him. Hmm. Because he, he was also really had a sensitive side to him. But you know, didn't like to show that. Yeah. But, you know, and late teens... Well,
1: it also sounded like he kind of got in over his head and that it, like, yeah. snowballed pretty quickly and he didn't know what he was doing or
4: how he ended up there. Zach was so naive. Mm. And, you know, he got into this drug dealing and didn't have a clue to how stuff really, I think worked and how evil um, and dangerous. Yeah. You know, all of that can be, he just, he was so naive, so naive. Yeah.
1: It sounds like you just got way in over his head and had no
4: idea. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. And I think, you know, then I think that led to him even, you know, using more and self-medicating just to, you know, he was out of control. Absolutely. He was out of control.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, I w- want to thank you for sharing your experience with us. And I hope that the process of working with Claire and then the messages from Fleur
4: will help well, thank you. I, I really appreciate the, the um, offer to do this and the opportunity, Yeah. Um, you know, that both Fleur and Claire have shared with me. Yeah,
1: our pleasure. And I really look forward to um, hearing how this brings you more peace and you're able to move forward in your life.
4: All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to Moving Beyond. If you haven't yet left us a rating or a review, we would greatly appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the show. Moving Beyond is an independent podcast produced by Fleur Lissink and Elizabeth Mihalich. Edited by Darwin Carlyle. Original music composed and produced by Lucas Tuttle. Our hosts are Claire Bidwell-Smith and Medium Fleur. You can learn more about Claire at her website, www.clairebidwellsmith.com C-L-A-I-R-E-B-I-D-W-E-L-L-S-M-I-T-H And more about Fleur at www mediumfleur.com m-e-d-i-u-m-f-l-e-u-r if you're interested in being on a future episode of moving beyond please send elizabeth an email at podcasts at mediumfleur.com p-o-d-c-a-s-t-s at m-e-d-i-u-m-f-l-e-u-r.com